27, D not be mirrored in the body of the moon, which is a convex mirror, in such a way as that so much of its surface as is illuminated by the sun day should reflect the sun unless the moon had a surface adapted to reflect it in waves and ridges, like the surface of the sea when its surface is moved by the wind. Footnote, in the original diagram soul is written at the place marked A, Luna at C and Terra at the two spots marked. The waves in water multiply the image of the object reflected in it. These waves reflect light, each by its own line. As the surface of the fur cone does these are two figures one different from the other, one with undulating water and the other with smooth water. It is impossible that at any distance the image of the sun cast on the surface of a spherical body should occupy the half of the sphere. Here you must prove that the earth produces all the same effects with regard to the moon, as the moon with regard to the earth. The moon, with its reflected light, does not shine like the sun day because the light of the moon is not a continuous reflection of that of the sun on its whole surface, but only on the crests and hollows of the waves of its waters, and thus the sun being confusedly reflected, from the admixture of the shadows that lie between the lustrous waves, its light is not pure and clear as the sun island the earth between the moon on the 15th day and the sun, here the sun is in the east and the moon on the 15th day in the west, between the earth and the sun, here it is the moon which has the sun to the west and the earth to the east, 898, what sort of thing the moon island, the moon is not of itself luminous, but is highly fitted to assimilate the character of light after the manner of a mirror, or of water, or of any other reflecting body, and it grows larger in the east and in the west, like the sun and the other planets, and the reason is that every luminous body looks larger in proportion as it is remote. It is easy to understand that every planet and star is farther from us when in the west than when it is overhead, by about 3500 miles, as is proved on the margin, and if you see the sun or moon mirrored in the water near to you, it looks to you of the same size in the water as in the sky, but if you recede to the distance of a mile, it will look 100 times larger, and if you see the sun reflected in the sea at sunset, its image would look to you more than 10 miles long, because that reflected image extends over more than 10 miles of sea, and if you could stand where the moon island the sun would look to you, as if it were reflected from all the sea that it illuminates by day, and the land amid the water would appear just like the dark spots that are on the moon, which, when looked at from our earth, appears to men the same as our earth would appear to any men who might dwell in the moon of the nature of the moon, when the moon is entirely lighted up to our sight, we see its full daylight, and at that time, owing to the reflection of the solar rays which fall on it and are thrown off towards us, its ocean casts off less moisture towards us, and the less light it gives the more injurious it island 899, of the moon, I say that as the moon has no light in itself and yet is luminous, it is inevitable but that its light is caused by some other body, 900, of the moon, all my opponent's arguments to say that there is no water in the moon. Footnote, the objections are very minutely noted down in the manuscript, but they hardly seem to have a place here. 901. Answer to Maestro Andrea de Aimola, who said that the solar rays reflected from a convex mirror are mingled and lost at a short distance, whereby it is altogether denied that the luminous side of the moon is of the nature of a mirror and that consequently the light is not produced by the innumerable multitude of the waves of that sea, which I declared to be the portion of the moon which is illuminated by the solar rays. Let OP be the body of the Sunday sea and ask the moon, and the eye which, 
above the base CN of the catheter CN M sees the body of the sun reflected at equal angle CN, and the same again on moving the eye from to. Explanation of the lumen room in the moon. 902. Of the moon. No solid body is less heavy than the atmosphere. Footnote, 1. On the margin are the words Tola Romantina. Tola Ferrostagnato Tindiron, Romantina is some special kind of sheet iron no longer known by that name. Having proved that the part of the moon that shines consists of water, which mirrors the body of the sun and reflects the radiance it receives from it, and that, if these waters were devoid of waves, it would appear small, but of a radiance almost like the sun, it must now be shown whether the moon is a heavy or a light body, for, if it were a heavy body admitting that at every grade of distance from the earth greater levity must prevail, so that water is lighter than the earth, and air than water, and fire than air and so on successively it would seem that if the moon had density as it really has, it would have weight, and having weight, that it could not be sustained in the space where it island and consequently that it would fall towards the center of the universe and become united to the earth, or if not the moon itself, at least its waters would fall away and be lost from it, and descend towards the center, leaving the moon without any and so devoid of luster, but as this does not happen, as might in reason be expected, it is a manifest sign that the moon is surrounded by its own elements, that is to say water, air and fire, and thus island of itself and by itself, suspended in that part of space, as our earth with its element is in this part of space, and that heavy bodies act in the midst of its elements just as other heavy bodies do in ours footnote 15, this passage would certainly seem to establish Leonardo's claim to be regarded as the original discoverer of the cause of the ashy color of the new moon lumens in room. His observations however, having hitherto remained unknown to astronomers, Meslin and Kepler have been credited with the discoveries which they made independently a century later. Some disconnected notes treat of the same subject in this CA 239b, 718b and 719b, Perchla lunacinta della parte illuminata decalidur sol imponente, tramagir splendor in mezzo et al sertio, che quando essa eclissava il sol, questo e coperch nell'eclissare il sol el rombrava il nostro oceano, il qual caso non e essendo imponente, quando il sol alumbrasso oceano, the editors of the Sagio, who first published this passage page 12 add another short one about the seasons in the moon which I confess not to have seen in the original manuscript, La Luna Hogni mi se unverno e unistate, e ha maggiori freddi e maggiori caldi, e i suoi quinozi e i sun piu freddi di nostri, when the eye is in the east and sees the moon in the west near to the setting Sunday it sees it with its shaded portion surrounded by luminous portions, and the lateral and upper portion of this light is derived from the Sunday and the lower portion from the ocean in the west, which receives the solar rays and reflects them on the lower waters of the moon, and indeed affords the part of the moon that is in shadow as much radiance as the moon gives the earth at midnight, therefore it is not totally dark, and hence some have believed that the moon must in parts have a light of its own besides that which is given it by the sun, and this light is due, as has been said, to the above-mentioned cause, that our seas are illuminated by the sun day again, it might be said that the circle of radiance shown by the moon when it and the sun are both in the west is wholly borrowed from the sun day when it, and the sun day and the eye are situated as is shown above, footnote 23, 24, the larger of the two diagrams reproduced above stands between these two lines, and the smaller one is sketched in the margin, 
at the spot marked Leonardo wrote Corpo Solari Solar Body in the larger diagram and Sol Sun in the smaller one. At Sea Luna Moon is written and at the Terra the Earth. Some might say that the air surrounding the moon as an element, catches the light of the sun as our atmosphere does, and that it is this which completes the luminous circle on the body of the moon. Some have thought that the moon has a light of its own, but this opinion is false, because they have founded it on that dim light seen between the horns of the new moon, which looks dark where it is close to the bright part, while against the darkness of the background it looks so light that many have taken it to be a ring of new radiance completing the circle where the tips of the horns illuminated by the sun cease to shine. And this difference of background arises from the fact that the portion of that background which is conterminous with the bright part of the moon, by comparison with that brightness looks darker than it is, while at the upper part, where a portion of the luminous circle is to be seen of uniform width, the result is that the moon, being brighter there than the medium or background on which it is seen by comparison with that darkness it looks more luminous at that edge than it is and that brightness at such a time itself is derived from our ocean and other inland seas. These are, at that time, illuminated by the sun which is already setting in such a way as that the sea then fulfills the same function to the dark side of the moon as the moon at its fifteenth day does to us when the sun is set, and the small amount of light which the dark side of the moon receives bears the same proportion to the light of that side which is illuminated, as that. If you want to see how much brighter the shaded portion of the moon is than the background on which it is seen, conceal the luminous portion of the moon with your hand or with some other more distant object. On the spots in the moon 903, 907, 903, the spots on the moon. Some have said that vapors rise from the moon, after the manner of clouds and are interposed between the moon and our eyes. But, if this were the case, these spots would never be permanent either as to position or form, and, seeing the moon from various aspects, even if these spots did not move they would change in form, as objects do which are seen from different sides, 904, of the spots on the moon, others say that the moon is composed of more or less transparent parts, as though one part were something like alabaster and others like crystal or glass, it would follow from this that the sun casting its rays on the less transparent portions, the light would remain on the surface, and so the denser part would be illuminated, and the transparent portions would display the shadow of their darker depths, and this is their account of the structure and nature of the moon, and this opinion has found favor with many philosophers, and particularly with Aristotle, and yet it is a false view for, in the various phases and frequent changes of the moon and sun to our eyes, we should see these spots vary, at one time looking dark and at another light, they would be dark when the sun is in the west and the moon in the middle of the sky, for then the transparent hollows would be in shadow as far as the tops of the edges of those transparent hollows, because the sun could not then fling his rays into the mouth of the hollows, which however, at full moon, would be seen in bright light, at which time the moon is in the east and faces the sun in the west, then the sun would illuminate even the lowest depths of these transparent places and thus, as there would be no shadows cast, the moon at these times would not show us the spots in question, and so it would be, now more and now less, according to the changes in the position of the sun to the moon, and of the moon to our eyes, as I have said above, 905, of the spots on the moon, it has been asserted, that the spots on the moon result from the moon being of varying thinness or density, but if this were so, when there is an eclipse of the moon the solar rays would pierce through the portions which were thin as is alleged footnote 35, eclipse I, this word, 
as it seems to me, here means eclipses of the sun, and the sense of the passage, as I understand it, is that by the foregoing hypothesis the moon, when it comes between the sun and the earth must appear as if pierced, we may say like a sieve, but as we do not see this effect the opinion must be false, others say that the surface of the moon is smooth and polished and that, like a mirror, it reflects in itself the image of our earth, this view is also false, inasmuch as the land, where it is not covered with water, presents various aspects and forms, hence when the moon is in the east it would reflect different spots from those it would show when it is above us or in the west, now the spots on the moon, as they are seen at full moon, never vary in the course of its motion over our hemisphere, a second reason is that an object reflected in a convex body takes up but a small portion of that body, as is proved in perspective, the third reason is that when the moon is full, it only faces half the hemisphere of the illuminated earth, on which only the ocean and other waters reflect bright light, while the land makes spots on that brightness, thus half of our earth would be seen girt round with the brightness of the sea lighted up by the Sunday and in the moon this reflection would be the smallest part of that moon. Fourthly, a radiant body cannot be reflected from another equally radiant, therefore the sea, since it borrows its brightness from the Sunday as the moon does, could not cause the earth to be reflected in it, nor indeed could the body of the sun be seen reflected in it, nor indeed any star opposite to it. 906. If you keep the details of the spots of the moon under observation you will often find great variation in them, and this I myself have proved by drawing them, and this is caused by the clouds that rise from the waters in the moon, which come between the sun and those waters, and by their shadow deprive these waters of the sun's rays. Thus those waters remain dark, not being able to reflect the solar body. 907. How the spots on the moon must have varied from what they formerly were, by reason of the course of its waters, on the moon's halo. 908. Of halos round the moon, I have found, that the circles which at night seem to surround the moon, of various sizes, and degrees of density are caused by various gradations in the densities of the vapors which exist at different altitudes between the moon and our eyes, and of these halos the largest and least red is caused by the lowest of these vapors, the second, smaller one, is higher up, and looks redder because it is seen through two vapors, and so on, as they are higher they will appear smaller and redder, because, between the eye and them, there is thicker vapor, whence it is proved that where they are seen to be reddest, the vapors are most dense, on instruments for observing the moon 909, 910, 909, if you want to prove why the moon appears larger than an island when it reaches the horizon, take a lens which is highly convex on one surface and concave on the opposite, and place the concave side next the eye, and look at the object beyond the convex surface, by this means you will have produced an exact imitation of the atmosphere included beneath the sphere of fire and outside that of water, for this atmosphere is concave on the side next the earth, and convex towards the fire. 910. Construct glasses to see the moon magnified. Footnote, see the introduction. Page 136. Fray Castoro says in his work Homo Centers, Pardua Specilocularla Psyches Perspiciate. Alteri altero superposito. Majora multo et prop omnia. Quin imoque dom specilocularia fugtandi densitatis. Utia cyclaria keys at lunam. Avalud siderum spectat. Adio prop in quaila udicet. Ut northeasters ips as accident set. IIC 8 and set. III. C23. 
I the stars, on the light of the stars 911, 913, 911, the stars are visible by night and not by day, because we are in the aphidense atmosphere, which is full of innumerable articles of moisture, each of which independently, when the eyes of the sun fall upon it, reflects a radiance, and so these umbrellous bright particles conceal the stars, and if it were not or this atmosphere the sky would always display the stars against T.S. darkness. 912. Whether the stars have their light from the sun or in themselves, some say that they shine of themselves, alleging that if Venus and Mercury had not a light of their own, when they come between your eye and the sun they would darken so much of the sun as they old cover from our eye. But this is false, for it is proved that dark object against a luminous body is enveloped and entirely unsealed by the lateral rays of the rest of that luminous body and the soul remains invisible, as may be seen when the sun is seen through the boughs of trees bare of their leaves, at some distance the branches do not conceal any portion of the sun from our eye, the same thing happens with the above mentioned planets which, hot they have no light of their own, do not as has been said unseal any part of the sun from our eye. Second argument. Some say that the stars appear most brilliant at night in proportion as they are higher up, and that if they had no light of their own, the shadow of the earth which comes between them and the sun they would darken them, since they would not face nor be faced by the solar body. But those persons have not considered that the conical shadow of the earth cannot reach many of the stars, and even as to those it does reach, the cone is so much diminished that it covers very little of the star's mass and all the rest is illuminated by the Sunday footnote, from this and other remarks seen number 902 it is clear that Leonardo was familiar with the phenomena of irradiation. 13. Why the planets appear larger in the east than they do overhead, whereas the contrary should be the case, as they are 3500 miles nearer to us when in mid-sky than when on the horizon, all the degrees of the elements, through which the images of the celestial bodies pass to reach the eye are equal curves and the angles by which the central line of those images passes through them, are in equal angles footnote 13, inequality, here and elsewhere does not mean an equal in the sense of not being equal to each other, but angles which are not right angles, and the distance is greater, as is shown by the excess of a B beyond a D, and the enlargement of these celestial bodies on the horizon is shown by the ninth of the seventh, observations on the stars, 914. To see the real nature of the planets open the covering and note at the base one single planet, and the reflected movement of this base will show the nature of the said planet, but arrange that the base may face only one at the time. On History of Astronomy, 915, Cicero says in his book De Divinatione that astrology has been practiced 570,000 years before the Trojan War. 57,000. Footnote, the statement that Cicero, D. Divin ascribes the discovery of astrology to a period 57,000 years before the Trojan War I believe to be quite erroneous, according to Arrhenius I, Claudius Ciceroniana, Chapter G. Schultz Lexic, C. Icer, and the edition of D. Divin. By these the word astrologia occurs only twice in Cicero, D. Divin, I. I. 42, A.D. Caldera Monstra Veniamus, D. Quidus Eudoxus, Platonis Auditor, in Astrologia Judicio Doctissimorum Hominum Facile Princeps, Sicopinator ID Quat Scriptum Reliquit, Chaldeis in Predictione et in Notatione Cujus Vitix Natalie Dimini Messi Credendum. He then quotes the condemnatory verdict of other philosophers as to the teaching of the Chaldeans but says nothing as to the antiquity and origin of astronomy. 
Cicero further notes de oratori 16 that Arius was, ignorus astrologi, but that is all. So far as I know the word occurs nowhere else in Cicero, and the word astronomia he does not seem to have used at all. H. Muller Strubing, of Time and Its Divisions 916, 918, 916. Although time is included in the class of continuous quantities, being indivisible and immaterial, it does not come entirely under the head of geometry, which represents its divisions by means of figures and bodies of infinite variety, such as are seen to be continuous in their visible and material properties. But only with its first principles does it agree, that is with the point and the line, the point may be compared to an instant of time, and the line may be likened to the length of a certain quantity of time. And just as a line begins and terminates in a point, so such a space of time, begins and terminates in an instant. And whereas a line is infinitely divisible, the divisibility of a space of time is of the same nature, and as the divisions of the line may bear a certain proportion to each other, so may the divisions of time. Footnote, this passage is repeated word for word on page 190b of the same manuscript and this is accounted for by the text in volume I number 4. Compare also number 12 16, 917. Describe the nature of time as distinguished from the geometrical definitions. 918. Divide an hour into 3,000 parts, and this you can do with a clock by making the pendulum lighter or heavier. XVI. Physical Geography. Leonardo's researches as to the structure of the earth and sea were made at a time, when the extended voyages of the Spaniards and Portuguese had also excited a special interest in geographical questions in Italy, and particularly in Tuscany. Still, it need scarcely surprise us to find that in deeper questions, as to the structure of the globe, the primitive state of the Earth's surface, and the like, he was far in advance of his time. The number of passages which treat of such matters is relatively considerable, like almost all Leonardo's scientific notes they deal partly with theoretical and partly with practical questions. Some of his theoretical views of the motion of water were collected in a copied manuscript volume by an early transcriber, but without any acknowledgement of the source whence they were derived. This copy is now in the library of the Barberini Palace at Rome and was published under the title, De Moto e Misera Deliquae, by Francesco Cardinali, Bologna 1828. In this work the texts are arranged under the following titles, Liber, Idelis Paradeliquae, Liber. I. I. Del Moto Deliquae, Liber. I. 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 Del Onda Deliquae, Liber. I. V. Divi Retrosi Deque, Liber. V. Deliquae Cadente, Liber. V. I. Del Rotterfat Deliquae, Liber. V. I. I. Del Cosportate Deliquae, Liber. V. I. 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 Del Anchia Deliquae e Del Cant, Liber. I. X. D. Molini e Diltri or Didni Deque. The large number of isolated observations scattered through the manuscripts, accounts for our so frequently finding notes of new schemes for the arrangement of those relating to water and its motions, particularly in the Codex Atlanticus, I have printed several of these plans as an introduction to the physical geography, and I have actually arranged the texts in accordance with the clue afforded by one of them which is undoubtedly one of the latest notes referring to the subject number 920. The text given as number 930 which is also taken from a late notebook of Leonardo's, served as a basis for the arrangement of the first of the seven books or sections, bearing the title, of the nature of water delic in southeast, as I have not made it any part of this undertaking to print the passages which refer to purely physical principles, 
it has also been necessary to exclude those practical researches which, in accordance with indications given in 920, ought to come in as books 13, 14 and 15. I can only incidentally mention here that Leonardo as it seems to me, especially in his youth devoted a great deal of attention to the construction of mills. This is proved by a number of drawings of very careful and minute execution, which are to be found in the Codex Atlanticus. Nor was it possible to include his considerations on the regulation of rivers, the making of canals and so forth. Number 920, Books 10, 11 and 12, but those passages in which the structure of a canal is directly connected with notices of particular places will be found duly inserted under section XVII topographical notes. In volume I number 5 the text refers to canal making in general. On one point only can the collection of passages included under the general heading of physical geography claim to be complete. When comparing and sorting the materials for this work I took particular care not to exclude or omit any text in which a geographical name was mentioned even incidentally, since in all such researches the chief interest, as it appeared to me, attached to the question whether these acute observations on the various local characteristics of mountains, rivers or seas, had been made by Leonardo himself, and on the spot. It is self-evident that the few general and somewhat superficial observations on the Rhine and the Danube, on England and Flanders, must have been obtained from maps or from some informants, and in the case of Flanders Leonardo himself acknowledges this scene number 1008, but that most of the other and more exact observations were made, on the spot, by Leonardo himself, may be safely assumed from their method and the style in which he writes of them. And we should bear it in mind that in all investigations, of whatever kind, experience is always spoken of as the only basis on which he relies. Incidentally, as in number 984, he thinks it necessary to allude to the total absence of all recorded observations. By introduction, schemes for the arrangement of the materials 919-928-919. These books contain in the beginning, of the nature of water itself in its motions. The others treat of the effects of its currents, which change the world in its center and its shape. 920. Divisions of the book. Book 1 of water in itself. Book 2 of the sea. Book 3 of subterranean rivers. Book 4 of rivers. Book 5 of the nature of the abyss. Book 6 of the obstacles. Book 7 of gravels. Book 8 of the surface of water. Book 9 of the things placed therein. Book 10 of the repairing of rivers. Book 11 of conduits. Book 12 of canals. Book 13 of machines turned by water. Book 14 of raising water. Book 15 of matters worn away by water. 921. First you shall make a book treating of places occupied by fresh waters, and the second by salt waters, and the third. How by the disappearance of these, our parts of the world were made lighter and in consequence more remote from the center of the world. 922. First write of all water. In each of its motions, then describe all its bottoms and their various materials, always referring to the propositions concerning the said waters, and let the order be good, for otherwise the work will be confused. Describe all the forms taken by water from its greatest to its smallest wave, and their causes. 923. Book 9. Of Accidental Risings of Water. 924. The Order of the Book. Place at the beginning what a river can affect. 925. A book of driving back armies by the force of a flood made by releasing waters. A book showing how the waters safely bring down timber cut in the mountains. 
a book of boats driven against the impetus of rivers, a book of raising large bridges higher, simply by the swelling of the waters, a book of guarding against the impetus of rivers so that towns may not be damaged by them. 926. A book of the ordering of rivers so as to preserve their banks, a book of the mountains, which would stand forth and become land, if our hemisphere were to be uncovered by the water, a book of the earth carried down by the waters to fill up the great abyss of the seas, a book of the ways in which a tempest may of itself clear out filled up seaports, a book of the shores of rivers and of their permanency, a book of how to deal with rivers, so that they may keep their bottoms scoured by their own flow near the cities they pass, a book of how to make or to repair the foundations for bridges over the rivers, a book of the repairs which ought to be made in walls and banks of rivers where the water strikes them, a book of the formation of hills of sand or gravel at great depths in water, 927, water gives the first impetus to its motion, a book of the leveling of waters by various means, a book of diverting rivers from places where they do mischief, a book of guiding rivers which occupy too much ground, a book of parting rivers into several branches and making them fordable, a book of the waters which with various currents pass through seas, a book of deepening the beds of rivers by means of currents of water, a book of controlling rivers so that the little beginnings of mischief, caused by them, may not increase, a book of the various movements of waters passing through channels of different forms, a book of preventing small rivers from diverting the larger one into which their waters run, a book of the lowest level which can be found in the current of the surface of rivers, a book of the origin of rivers which flow from the high tops of mountains, a book of the various motions of waters in their rivers, 928, of inequality in the concavity of a ship, footnote 1, the first line of this passage was added subsequently, evidently as a correction of the following line, a book of the inequality in the curve of the sides of ships, a book of the inequality in the position of the tiller, a book of the inequality in the keel of ships, a book of various forms of apertures by which water flows out, a book of water contained in vessels with air, and of its movements, a book of the motion of water through a siphon, a book of the meetings and union of waters coming from different directions, a book of the various forms of the banks through which rivers pass, a book of the various forms of shoals formed under the sluices of rivers, a book of the windings and meanderings of the currents of rivers, a book of the various places whence the waters of rivers are derived, a book of the configuration of the shores of rivers and of their permanency, a book of the perpendicular fall of water on various objects, a book of the course of water when it is impeded in various places, a book of the various forms of the obstacles which impede the course of waters, a book of the concavity and globosity formed round various objects at the bottom, a book of conducting navigable canals above or beneath the rivers which intersect them, a book of the soils which absorb water in canals and of repairing them, a book of creating currents for rivers, which quit their beds, and for rivers choked with soil. General Introduction 929 The Beginning of the